Hello, friends, and welcome, or welcome back. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I want to talk about heretical song lyrics. Now, there's no shortage of offensive song lyrics in the world, right? They're pretty easy to find. And there's no shortage of heretical song lyrics, even among Christian music. And I think maybe that's because a lot of our songwriters in the church are young, or they're at the beginning stages of their walk and and their faith journey. And so they haven't necessarily spent a lot of time digging into theology, and they're just writing from a place of zeal and, and love and passion. And so that's good. The zeal and the love and the passion are good. But the Bible says it's not good to be zealous and to miss the way. So zeal without knowledge is dangerous. And I certainly experienced this in my own life. Uh, you know, I, I was sometimes way more zealous than I should have been because I was uh, a Pharisee and a hypocrite. And I was zealous about uh, pointing out the shortcomings of others without recognizing all the all the the vast number of shortcomings in my own life. But anyway, so the the heretical song that I want to highlight today is a song that I wrote in around 2004 time frame. At the time I was living in Taiwan, I had a record deal with a small independent record label that was distributed by Sony and that got purchased by BMG. And I was in Taiwan making this record and I wrote this song. And at the time, my record label had told me that I could do a Christian album if I did a more pop secular album first. So we had already released a pop secular album. It sold like two copies. And then we were releasing, or I was working on this uh, Christian album to release that never got released because uh, the record company balked and my albums sold like dirt. So anyway, I had these songs and I was recording them. And at the time I was in correspondence with a guy named Don Moen at Integrity uh, Music in America. And I thought this will be fine if this Taiwanese label doesn't want to put out my record. Uh, Don Moen's going to help me get a record deal at Integrity and I'm going to be a famous worship leader in America. That didn't happen either, obviously. But anyway, I wrote this song and now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And so when I say heretical song lyrics, I don't mean that the, the writer should be burned at the stake and excommunicated from the church. Obviously, in this case, that would be me. I just mean that the lyrics, they're not biblical. They're, they're not orthodox. And you you know, when you listen to them, you may not hear the problem. But anyway, I'm going to play this song. We're going to listen to it. And then see if you can find what I'm talking about when I say heretical song lyrics. Seeking to turn to love, Lord. 
You know, it's been a long time since I've listened to that song, and one of the things that sticks out to me is I I had a head cold when I recorded it. I remember it was the end of summer, and we were planning on moving back to the U.S. the The record label had indicated that they weren't going to release the song. They they wanted to sign me to like a nine album extended deal, which was their way of saying we don't want to work with you anymore. It's Chinese culture thing, anyway. and we were we were planning on leaving and i had to get these songs recorded but i had a head cold but i really didn't have any choice i just had to record it with a cold so when i listened to it i remember that mm, my voice sounds pretty nasally um not that it gets much better when i don't have a head cold but anyway so you know that song was definitely written before i kind of had my second experience of grace as paul calls it when he writes uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, I want to come to you that you might have a second experience of grace. And I had that in my life in my late 30s. I had this second experience of God's grace where I realized deep, deep in my heart that God was not counting my sin against me. And then out of that, I began to understand things like covenant and, um, you know, my whole theology kind of underwent this renaissance, this rebirth, and it was really awesome, and it really changed the way I related to God and changed how I lived my life. But when I wrote this song, I was definitely still in a very performance mindset where I would say things like, you know, turn from wrath, God, turn from indignation, not understanding the things that I shared in the podcast just a couple of episodes ago that, you know, when we have this mindset, I think God is punishing me. It means we haven't understood what Jesus accomplished at the cross, that God is never going to be wrathful with us. And I talk about that in that podcast called, Is God Punishing Me? And I look at Isaiah chapter 54, where God promises, this is like the days of Noah to me. So when God promised Noah, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to destroy the world again with the flood. God has promised us, I'm never going to be wroth with you. I'm never going to be angry with you because all of his anger was put onto Jesus. And that is a wonderful, beautiful thing. So it's not like the song is, you know, full of heretical statements. There's obviously a lot of truth in that song that God's been faithful, that he's been a shelter to every generation that has sought him, that, you know, um, he said that we should seek and we'll find. All those things are, are biblical and true. But then it's just kind of peppered with ideas like, you know, turn from indignation, turn from wrath. And I think it doesn't take a lot of poison to spoil a good meal. You know what I mean? Like it, just a little bit of poison is really, really dangerous. And um, I know those, that's kind of a harsh way to put it, but it's, it really is true. 
And and I would encourage you, you know, as you listen to music, you just kind of got to keep your radar up. Like First Thessalonians says, you have to test everything. You have to hold on to the good. There's a lot of well-intentioned songwriters that still kind of sprinkle in a very performance-oriented mindset, you know. Or sometimes there's a lot of guilt built into our music, and I, I don't think that's how God wants us to approach Him. It's like, why... Why would you come to me with so much guilt? You know, I, I paid the price for you to be free from that. Come and enjoy the forgiveness and the mercy and the love and the goodness of God that he has provided in Jesus. I remember I hate, I wanted to use my own song because I didn't want to pick on anyone else, but I'll I'll uh, just bring this one song up because it's not popular anymore, but I remember as a boy in church, uh, there was this song that um, was sung as a special in our church and the title or the the refrain the chorus was does he still feel the nails let me see if i can uh so that's a ray bolt song and uh that's probably it's a whole nother story in itself and and the outcome of i don't think i want to get into all that but anyway you know i just googled the lyrics and it says does he still feel the nails every time i fail uh, am I causing him pain? And the resounding answer to that is no. No, he does not. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He overcame the cross. He does not feel the nails. He does not feel the pain. He died so that we could be forgiven. Our punishment was laid upon him so that we could be free from that guilt so that we could be free and jesus is not up in heaven suffering it says that he appeared once to suffer for sins and he's going to appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are waiting for him and that's what hebrews the end of chapter 9 and hebrews is all about that if god were still counting our sin against us, that jesus would have to suffer over and over and over again hebrews nine twenty six says he would have to then suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world if God were still counting our sin against us, that Jesus would have to die over and over and over. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I think that's what took me a long time to understand in my Christian journey, that God has put my sin away, that God is not dealing with my sin anymore. He dealt with it 2,000 years ago in the body of Jesus Christ. So praise be to God. And, you know, music is one of my favorite ways to connect with God. In James 5.13, it says, If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. And, uh, you know, all throughout the Bible, it talks about singing. Romans 5.9 says, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And Ephesians 5.18, it begins like this, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a the kind of the mirror verse of that is in Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I would just encourage you uh, to... Um, you know, if there's a song that you like that just kind of has a part that, that that's not right, well, then change it when you sing it. You know, we've done that in our fellowship. There were some great songs that just had, you know, kind of a careless lyric here or there, and we just we just change it to be more biblical. Or if, uh, you know, there's songs that aren't biblical, then uh, don't sing those songs. 
You know, there are many old covenant worship songs in the Bible. Uh, you know, the Psalms is the old covenant hymn book. And certainly there's a ton of worship and praise content in the Psalms that we can incorporate into our new covenant worship life. But there are things that don't transfer into the new covenant, like David saying, take not your Holy Spirit from me in Psalm 51. Well, God's already promised us, I'm never going to leave you. I will never forsake you in Hebrews chapter 13. In 2 Timothy, he says, even if we're faithless, God is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So in the new covenant, God has joined himself with us, and there's no danger of God taking his Holy Spirit away from us. So there are these things that we we kind of take from this old covenant mindset, but they're really incompatible with the new covenant that we that God has offered to us. And of course, we don't get to set the terms of the covenant as we want them to be, or as we think they should be, or as we misunderstand them to be. The terms of the covenant are as God has set them to be, and thank God for that. Now, here's a quote from uh, Richard Rohr. I don't know if I'm saying his last name correctly. It's R-O-H-R. He says, we cannot attain the presence of God. We're already totally in the presence of God. What's absent is awareness. And so that's something that's also reflected in that song that I wrote that I just played for you, is that there's this, you know, uh, begging God for his presence instead of thanking God and acknowledging, wow, God indwells me. I am the temple of God. God lives inside of me. The Bible says that my spirit and the spirit of Christ have been made one in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So God has joined himself with me. The, the Bible says that I'm seated in with Christ in heavenly places. So in some fashion, I am in the presence of Christ already in heavenly places. And what's missing is not his presence in my life. What's missing is my attentiveness and my awareness of his presence in my life. So there are things that we see in the old covenant that don't come into the new covenant because Jesus has established a new covenant. He is our high priest and the terms of the covenant are different. We're not under the Mosaic law. We're under the covenant that Jesus has established with his church. So praise God, test everything as you sing songs and as you, you know, everything, as you go through life, as you listen to sermons, as you watch movies, as you read magazines and books, you have to take every thought captive uh, because it's so easy to slip back into a performance mindset with God and, and to think that I need to try really hard to get God to like me or to be special to God. And sometimes the songs that we sing uh, kind of feed that, that mindset. Okay, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.